2 Timothy chapter 4, and we'd like to begin reading with verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to be only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow before you today, Lord, I do want to thank you and praise you for another opportunity that you've given this side of eternity that we may meet together and open the blessed Word of God and have you speak to us from your Word. And I pray, Lord, today that I could just be a vessel in your hand, that I could honor you today, Lord, in all that I say. God, I pray you'd speak to your hearts today, speak to my own heart. Lord, may we see ourselves as you see us. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, strengthen my body. God, you know I need your help today. I pray, Lord, for wisdom and understanding the power of God. And Lord, just get glory to your name today. You know the condition of every heart, save that one that's dying without God and without hope, and revive your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message on this thought, Six Months to Live. This was the message that my sister received a couple of weeks ago, Six Months to a Year to Live. Well, that's difficult. You know, we're all going to die. And we recognize that and we agree with that, I think. We're all going to die unless the rapture takes place first. Death is coming. That's a fact. But you know, we always try to push it into the future, don't we? We always think it's somewhere out there, not today. Of course, we think of that, and what have we received that kind of message? Well, none of us know that we even have that long, do we, as far as that goes. Uh, we may not have six minutes or six hours or six days, but uh, when we have cancer, of course, it... Uh, uh, complicates the situation. But you know, as I read the Bible, especially here in this scripture, I find the Apostle Paul being able to face death without any fear, without any dread, in fact, uh, really anxiously looking forward to it. Now, what can bring this about and, and uh, cause this to happen? Well, we know that it's only by the grace of God. Uh, God not only saves us by His grace, but He sustains us by His grace. 
And uh, when the time comes to die, there's dying grace. I believe that. And if you don't have, if you don't have dying grace today, you can be pretty comfortable that you're not going to die today. Because when the time comes, the grace of God is sufficient. And all these years of preaching, I have found that to be true. If you know the Lord, of course, if you're a child of God. Death for an unbeliever is most, more horrible than I can describe. Uh, it's the most awful experience that anyone could ever imagine. But death for a child of God is a glorious experience. And it's something really to look forward to in a sense. We don't look forward to death. Uh, to uh, Someone said, I'm not afraid of death. It's a dying that I'm afraid of. And, and uh, the, a lot of times the sickness and the pain and, and whatever may accompany death. But you know, as we think about this, there are some things that we need to know. And I'm glad there are some things we can know. The first thing is, that if you only had a short time to live, you ought to know that you're ready. And uh, the Apostle Paul knew this. He said, I am now ready to be offered. And you can know this. You can, not only can a person be saved, but you can know you're saved. And in talking to people and witnessing to people, I find a lot of people, they don't know. They say, well, I hope I'm saved. I hope I make it. We study about hope in the Bible, and, and hope in the Bible is a wonderful thing, but the hope they're talking about is there's a question mark. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I make it. I'm not sure, but I hope I get there. And, uh, but God's Word says you can know that you're saved. You can be sure of it. We find in 2 Timothy 1, 12, and uh, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in, in verse 12, Therefore the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now he said, I know whom I have believed. And he said, I know what I believe, but I know whom I believe. You know, salvation is in a person. First John said, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Heaven or hell is dependent upon what you do with Jesus Christ. Not reciting a creed or, or believing a set of rules, but uh, knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And uh, I'm glad we can know that. In 2 Peter 1.10, he says to make your calling and election sure. You know, in dealing with people and over these years, when it comes down to the real thing, you quit playing, quit playing church and playing religion, and it gets real serious. You want to know that you're saved. Make your calling and election sure. There's always that desire for that, for that assurance. I like what Brother Thomason brought out in the opening this morning. Difference between insurance and assurance. And uh, illustrated it that, uh, that we have insurance on our house. And for the primary purpose, if, something, if the house burns down, you know the house can be replaced. 
that's insurance, where it be hospital insurance or life insurance or fire insurance or whatever, it is sold with the idea that the possibility is there. You may die, you may get sick, your house may burn down. There's the possibility, and you have insurance. Assurance, on the other hand, is a certainty a house is not going to burn down. <laughs> and that's what we have in Christ. That's what we have in salvation. We have assurance. Not insurance, but assurance that we'll not go to hell. And that's a blessing. And so a person can know they're saved. And uh, he said, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He looked. He, he talks about it as, you know, I'm getting ready to take a trip. He's not, you don't see the dread and the anxiousness and all this is awful, what's happening to me. But he said, I'm, uh, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm, I'm getting ready to go. Now I think uh, the Apostle Paul had an advantage in the fact that uh, he got to go to heaven and look it over and, and uh, come back. In the book of Philippians, he talks about it. I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And uh, he said, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, not only is it better, but it's far better. And he said, I have a desire to depart. And here he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, the time has come. The time had not come back then. The Lord was not finished with him. But he said, now the time has come, the time for me to go to heaven. And he's looking forward to it. And I'm glad that we can have that kind of, that kind of assurance. We find that uh, Peter writes in, in 2 Peter 1, 14, and uh, he said, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Now, this is a different Peter, isn't it? You remember when uh, the Lord was arrested there and, and Peter went in there among them and sat out among them and they began to say, why, you're one of them. And Peter began to deny and say, no, not me. And three times he denies the Lord until the cock crows and he even curses and swears. They say, why, your speech betrayeth thee. You're... You're a Galilean. You're one of the disciples. Peter was afraid as the Lord had been arrested and was facing death that maybe he too would have to die if he identified with Christ. And he was afraid and he shied away from it. But now here, he said, the Lord has shown me that I must put this tabernacle off. And he's, he's no longer afraid and he's looking forward to it. And uh, he's looking forward to the departure. We find Stephen there as he's being stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. He looks up and says, I see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And uh, again, facing the stoning and facing death, but facing it with peace, and facing it with no malice in his heart and forgiveness for those his accusers. And I'm glad you can have that in Christ. I believe that. I believe that God is able to supply that kind of grace when you need it. And ain't it wonderful to know 
that whenever the time comes that we have to leave this world, that God will be there. He'll be all sufficient. His grace will be there, whatever we need. I've never seen the grace of God fail. Never. Now that ought to give us a completely different view of death and completely different outlook on it. We don't know when it's coming. The doctors may say so and so, but they don't know either. You know? But whenever it comes, whenever it comes, we need not be anxious about it because there's nothing there to be afraid of. Jesus Christ took the sting out of it. Jesus Christ made death nothing to fear. But we ought to know that we're ready. And I want to say a person isn't saved, they're not ready. If you're not saved today, you're not ready to be offered. You're not ready to depart. You're not ready to die. And you need to get ready. Then not only, first of all, should we know that we're ready, but we ought to know that our family's saved. Is your family saved? In the book of Genesis 44, 34, as... Uh, the brethren there go to meet with Joseph and, and uh, Joseph is going to keep Benjamin behind. And Judah said in Genesis 44, 34, How shall I go up to my father and the lad not be with me? I wonder what it will be like to go to heaven and your family go to hell. How much effort are we making really to win our family to Christ, to get our loved ones saved? And I realize that salvation is a personal decision and you cannot make folks get saved. You cannot get saved for them. But are we praying like we ought to pray? And are we witnessing like we ought to witness? And are we as concerned as we ought to be concerned to try to win them to Christ? You know one thing about Noah. When the flood came, he had his family on the ark. And the ark is a picture of Christ. And he had his family in Christ safe in the ark when the judgment of the flood came. And we can have that assurance, I believe. We can, we can have our family safe in Christ by the help of God if we'll pray and witness and, and seek the face of God. And then I think of Lot there who backslid on God and left part of his family in Sodom. Remember, my friend, when the devil tempts you to backslide and get away from God, just remember the price it may cost you. And I believe there's people they can't win their they can't win their, their children to God because there was a time in their life when they were they backslid on the Lord in those critical years and those important years with their children. And now their children want nothing to do with God and nothing to do with church. And what a tragedy. But I think well to make every effort to win them to Christ and hope that pray that God will save them. And I know. Uh, many of you have children that are out of church or some lost and some backslid on God and, and uh, I know it, uh, it uh, grieves your heart. But you just pray and believe God and, and trust God to save them. That's all you can do. And, but we all have loved ones. We all have relatives, brothers or sisters or our children or our parents. Or, or we have somebody if I ask for hands today, how many has, has a relative that's lost and they need to be saved? Probably every hand to be lifted. Yes, there's somebody in my family that's lost without God and they need to be saved. You want your family saved? 
that ought to be a great desire in our heart. Well, no, we're saved. Then not only that, but he said, I fought a good fight. You know, if my time was up, I'd want to be able to look back on my life and say, Lord, I fought a good fight. Now, the apostle Paul could say that. He could come to the end of life and he could say, I've given everything I've got. I fought a good fight. I hadn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't throw in the towel. And you read the story of the Apostle Paul and what he had to face. Some of us, it's easy to say, well, I haven't quit either. But if I'd have faced what he faced, I don't know where I'd have quit or not. I mean, he, you read in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 there and he talks about the, the beatings he suffered and the shipwreck and being thrown in prison and er, almost everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he ended up in, in prison. He ended up being run out of town. He ended up being beaten over and over and over again. I wonder how many preachers would quit today. There's a whole lot quitting anyway. I think of all the people who's quit since, I've, since God called me to preach. All the people I've seen quit. They said, I, I give it up. I throw in the towel. I quit. But Paul could come to the end of the journey and he said, I fought a good fight and I never quit. I never quit. I want to be able to say that. I don't know what I'm going to face in the future. I don't know what the future may hold for me and you don't know what the future may hold for you. We don't know what's out there. But whatever, whatever awaits me, I want to be able to come to the end of the journey and say, dear God, I never quit. I never quit. I stayed in the battle. That's what I want my testimony to be. I never give up. I never quit. And only by the help of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes to Timothy. In verse 10, he said, The love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted at you, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, why do people quit? Love of money. But he said, Thy old man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. He said, Timothy, same thing that got me in jail, same thing that caused me to be beaten, same thing that's going to cost me my head. He said, I want you to do. He said, well, isn't that kind of uh, strange advice? <laughs> well, not really. The Bible said Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When a person makes a choice to serve God, whatever the cost, they've made the best choice. They've made a wise choice. You see, we don't look at it in this, in this world. We don't look at it. We don't, we don't measure success or failure by this life. It's measured in light of eternity. And he said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Keep preaching. Preach what I've preached. 
fight a good fight. And he tells him again in the text here, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. And the reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, he said, I want to tell you before you start, they're not going to like it. <laughs> and he says, you preach it anyway. He said, it may cost you your life, you may spend some days in jail. You may get beaten. But he said, I want you to preach it and reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. In Ephesians chapter 6, he said in verse 13, and having done all to stand. He says, when you can't do anything, when you've run out of ammunition, you can't fire another shot, you can't do anything else. He said, I want you just to stand. Billy Sunday used to talk about the devil, and he said, I want to kick him as long as I've got a foot. I want to beat him as long as I've got a hand. I want to bite him as long as I've got any teeth and said, when I'm old and footless and handless and toothless, I always want to gum him to death. <laughs> he was, he was a strange fellow. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I'm not going to quit. I pray God will help me never quit. God will help me never give up. God will help me never throw in the towel. I don't want to quit. In light of eternity, in light of facing Nero's chopping block, in light of facing death, I want to say I fought a good fight. I put up a good fight. And then in verse 1 of chapter 4 here, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. You know what he's saying? The quick and the dead. By the way, the quick means the living and the dead means the unsaved. He's going to judge those that are saved and judge those that are unsaved, but at different times. At his appearing and his kingdom. And he's simply saying, in light of the judgment seat, I want you to do these things. You know, folks, we've we got to meet the Lord one day and give an account. The Bible said every hour of word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof on the day of judgment. The Bible said he'll make manifest the counsels of the heart. That which is spoken in the ear will be proclaimed on the housetops. And every thought and every word and every deed will come before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And we ought to live our life in light of the judgment seat of Christ. He said, Timothy, you're going to give an account to God for every sermon you ever preach. He says, you preach the word. When I think of that awesome responsibility, I think of all these years of preaching and all the times that I've preached and all the things I have to answer to God for. It's an awesome thought, isn't it? But I can honestly say today, I haven't been perfect and I've failed in many ways, but I can say before God and before you, I've tried to preach the word. Some, sometimes folks have liked it and sometimes they haven't liked it. But I've tried to be true to the word of God. Timothy, preach the word. Then not only that, but he said, I have finished my course. We can know we fought a good fight and we can know 
that we finish the course. Why are we here anyway? What's our purpose of being on this earth? What's it all about? Oh, we have an appointed time. Some die young. Some live up in age. But there's a job for all of us to do. There's a course that God wants us to complete. And when I get to the end of this life, whenever it may be, I want to say, Lord, I finished my course. And I think the majority of people, when they come to the end of the journey, they have to look back on the life and say, I didn't finish the course. I give up. I quit. I got off of the course. I, got off, I went off this way. went off sidetrack. Paul could say when he come to the end of life, he said, I finished the course. God had a course. There in Philippians, he, he talks about uh, uh, going to be with Christ, but he said, I have a desire to go to be with Christ, but it's more needful that I abide with you. And he's simply saying there that my job was not done, and so God sent me back to finish the job, and he said, now, I finished it. I finished my job. And when the job's finished, you know something? All of us would be better off in heaven, wouldn't we? I told my sister, I said, the worst thing that can happen as far as man looks at it is to go to heaven, which is 10,000 times better than this old earth. I like the song the choir sings sometimes, If I Knew of a Lamb. Where there was none of the trouble and none of the sickness and none of the sorrow and none of the death. I'd load up and move today. Then the song says, I know of a land. <laughs> Glory to God. Yes. I know of such a land. We'd all be better off there, wouldn't we? Well, one of these days we're going to get to go and I hope we all go together. <laughs> Don't you? I hope we all get to go together. We call that the rapture. He said, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I finished the job that God put me here for. The Lord Jesus in John 17, verse 4. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He only lived 33 years. Some of you have lived twice that long. But in 33 years, he finished his work. Why does God take some people in their 20s? My cousin died 28 years of age, first cousin with cancer. Now, why would God take someone at 28? Someone else lived to be 70 or 80. Because he finished his course. You may finish it in 28 years. You may not finish it till 75 years or whatever. But he finished his course. That's the important thing is to, is to finish the course. Is to stay on the track. Finish the course. Don't get sidetracked. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lay down. Keep on going and finish the work that God has called us to do. And I believe this. I'll be here just as long as it takes to finish the course. Unless I get sidetracked off of the way and I may not be here 
till morning, you know. As long as I stay on the road, as long as I have a desire to finish the job, I'll be here till God says the job's done. Jesus cried on the cross in John 19:30, it is finished. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. They're telling Paul, they said, Paul, you go up to Jerusalem. Bad things await you there. He said, that don't bother me. He said, Paul, they're going to put you in jail. Paul, they're going to kill you. If you go up to Jerusalem, you're going to kill me. He said, doesn't bother me one bit. He said, ain't one thing I'm interested in. He said, I'm just interested in finishing the work God put me here for. I'm just interested in none of these things move me. I just want to finish my, the course with joy. That's my desire. that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He finished his course. And then also, he said, I've kept the faith. He said, I followed the rules. You know, if you're running a race, you've got, you got to follow the rules. In, in 1 Corinthians 9, you'll turn there, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Page 12, 19. And he said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest there be any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He's simply saying that everybody runs the race, but one gets the prize. And he said, but you know the difference in this race is everybody can get the prize. Everybody can get the prize. But you've got to run according to the rules. I remember reading where they had a marathon race some several years ago, and I can't remember where it was at, but they had this race. And they crowned the winner. <clears throat> but later they realized that the winner hadn't run the whole race. They'd slipped into the race uh, when about two-thirds of it was over or so. And they took the crown because they didn't run the race for the rules. You know, God's give us a Bible to go by. He's give us a rule book to follow. And Paul could come to the end of the journey and he said, I've kept the faith. I've followed the rules. I've been faithful. I've kept the rules. It's one thing to serve God. It's another thing to serve Him faithfully and in truth. God is the Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In the book of Acts chapter 20, Paul talks to the Ephesian believers there in verse 20. And he said, How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. And then verse 25, 
Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. He said, I am pure from your blood. I've done my best. I've kept the faith. In Jude and verse 3, he said, You should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And in 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. We're in a race, folks. We're not working. I don't mean to imply that we're working and running to get to heaven. We go by grace. And we serve God by grace. But we're in a battle. And this is work. This is a job to be done. If you had six months to live, could you say with Paul, I'm ready. I'm saved. I have no regrets. I have no dread. I have no fear. I'm ready to go. He said, I fought a good fight. I didn't quit. I finished my course. I got through. I finished the whole race. And I kept the faith. I followed the rules. <laughs> and he said, I'm at the head of the line. There's a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, should give me at that day. Not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I close with this illustration that I've used before. I can't remember where, the, where this particular race is. But this marathon race, they run for miles. And of course, after all that running, their bodies are absolutely tired and worn out. The body's crying, lay down, quit, rest. And they keep driving on and driving on. And just before they get to the end of the race, there's a long hill. And they say those runners come to that hill. And many of them look at that hill. And they say, I can't make it. I just can't, can't, can't go another step and they quit. But he said many of those runners, though their body is worn out, though their body is tired, though every part of their body is aching in pain, they keep driving their body because they know just beyond that last hill is the finish line. And they keep driving on, driving on. Well, there are some hills to cross in life. But just beyond that last hill there's the finish line. Let's fire our heads.